Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because today we have Skylar Wallace. He is the co-founder of Level Up Lenders, works for a company called Flat Branch Home Loans, and they have some pretty cool goals, but I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead and take it away, Skylar, man. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Luke, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of your ads on Facebook. That's the only place that I really know you from. I see, I see you all the time. <laughs> So you see me trolling all the haters, huh? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. So I work, company's called Flat Branch Home Loans. We're Missouri-based nice. uh, company out of Columbia, Missouri. I've been here for a little over three years. Got a business partner here named Sam, and we founded a team called the Level Up Lenders. We've been at it uh, now. It's about three and a half years. We're up to 16 employees at this point. We've got six lenders on our team. And we do somewhere in the neighborhood, we'll probably come pretty close to 500 units this year. Prior to being here, I was in banking. I was vice president of a bank, a little community bank. I did pretty much everything, car loans, you know, debt consolidation loans, did a little bit of mortgage, but not much. When I made the move over, I had no referral partners. So I came in cold, just starting completely from scratch. Sounds like that your start was a lot different than mine. We didn't leverage technology at all when I came on. We knew that if you were in front of realtors enough, that good things would happen. And so my business partner recruited me on and he just was like, you know, hey, I do about 120 units a year, probably work about 60 hours a week, 50, 60 hours. I either want to work the same and make more money or I want to make the same money and start working less, whatever that looks like. And I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. So I started, he gave me the keys to one of his cars. We just had a goal to get in front of a hundred realtors a week. And nice. so I would cold call, I would just get in the car and just drive. I would drive, you know, four or 500 miles sometimes in a week and just knocking on doors, walking into offices, just trying to meet realtors. This is in 2019. Wow. And like, I did it for six months of just constantly every single week, no matter what, I would just go out and meet realtors. And then I would go back to the office and we use Trello and I would put them all in Trello as a little CRM and I'd make notes about them and then I would follow up and I'd go different routes. I had about six different routes and I would try to do, you know, one route a week kind of thing. Usually every five to six weeks, I was bumping into people. And the whole first six months I was at it, I closed two loans in the first six months and not great. Right. And my guarantee was coming to an end and I was going hundred percent commission and I didn't have a lot in the pipeline. And we enter into January and like, we're getting a little bit nervous. This was January of 2020. Sure. And so like we had like a come to Jesus moment and, you know, Sam got me a copy of Grant Cardone 10X rule. And he's like, all right, we got to figure this out because we did a, you know, the same as what I would have closed last year with you on for six months. And so 10X rule says, you know, set some crazy goal that's just so outside of what you can perceive possible that it just forces you to come up with different ideas. And Mm so we were like, well, let's see, you know, 2020, let's close 300 loans and see what happens. That seemed impossible, but still like you could kind of see a path to 300. And we just set that goal. We made our first hire. We decided that, you know, Sam also needed to maybe do some cold calling and get out of the office. So we hired an assistant 
And then what we didn't expect to happen was that all of that activity that I had done laid the groundwork for a business that just hadn't came around yet. And like in January, I started getting a lot of applications and like apps started going up. Mm -hmm. And then February, apps started going up. And then March, I think I landed like 15 loans closed on the board just out of nowhere, just boom. And then from there, it was this mad scramble to hire because then it got really busy. Just because that's when the rates, yeah, the rates yeah, started then, going then down. The refi started happening. Yeah. But even still, we're 70, 30 purchase pretty much all the time. And so we just started getting so many referrals from all of these realtors that I've been talking to. And we hired seven or eight people, I think, that year. We ended up in that first year. We had a goal of 300, which was the 10x Grant Cardone impossible goal. And we ended up closing right. 406 wow. units in year one. I had 150 deals in my first full year, which was pretty cool. So that really wasn't six months because you said you had two deals in your first. I, you I, saying I, the next year. No, so I, I had two deals in six months. And then the next 12 months, I closed 150. Okay. So in 18 so, months, you closed 152 deals. Yeah. That sounds better, right? <laughs> yeah, correct. So yeah, so then we got into like, you know, the end of that year and we were really busy and it, we started to have people that we were having to keep an eye on and kind of manage and train. Right. And we had other loan officers producing and I'm a real estate investor as well. I'm a big fan, less of a fan ever since Brandon Turner left, but a big fan of Bigger Pockets. Sure. I like their podcast a lot. And I would listen to Bigger Pockets and every once in a while they have like a big real estate investing team, like a you know, a guy that founded a team and they would come on. And the general trend from all those real estate folks was that things really started to take off when we adopted traction and, you know, traction did it for us. And I heard it from so many people. I was like, I got to see what this is about. So I bought the book traction and like, I just loved it. And we started like rebuilding our team and our process based around traction. So mm -hmm. traction teaches the EOS, the entrepreneur operating system, which is sure. You know, there's vision, there's data, there's process, there's people, there's issues, and then there's traction. And it just goes through the book step-by-step step of how to approach each thing. So some things are easier to adopt than others. Vision is probably the hardest. When I first started, the thing that I was struggling the most with was figuring out if we were being successful or not. And so mm -hmm. they teach the idea of having a scorecard, a one-page document that gives you the pulse of your business at any time. And so that sounded very helpful because I had no idea. I didn't know how many apps are we getting each month? You know, what's our closing ratios? You know, what are we doing? So the scorecard right. was kind of the first thing that came and that helped a lot. And I'd always kind of viewed vision, like vision will be the last thing we focus on. Cause like we close loans, right? Hire somebody and we tell them, Hey, this month we're going to close 20 loans. And then next month we're going to close 25. And there we go. Now we have a vision. Right. And so right. I just didn't really think much about it at first, but as we started getting more and more into it, there were two components to traction that I had a really hard time with. The first one was the process. So an entire component of traction is your process. And traction says that you should create a proprietary process and brand it and then use it for your marketing material. And so literally our job is a process, right? That's what we do. You get an application, you convert that into a contract, you convert that into a closing, and that whole thing is a process. And there's not much proprietary juice that goes into that. So I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to brand the mortgage process, get your list. So your list is basically your target market. So who are you marketing to? And I had a really hard time there because we have two clients in our business. We've got realtors that send us leads and we have direct to consumer. So people that just buy houses, right? So 
I never really knew like what kind of list should I get. I just wasn't sure what to do there. So we really struggled trying to bring traction in. And so what ended up happening was I decided to just focus on vision because I was like, at that point, the book is really saying that this vision thing matters and core values. And so we started digging into that and I kind of put process in the list on hold. And Traction has a tool in it called the Vision Traction Organizer, basically a business plan, right? But it's only two pages. Mm-hmm. So it goes from your 10-year target, your three-year picture, your one-year focus, and then it gets quarterly and you have your quarterly priorities. And then it also has core value, core focus, and your marketing strategy. And so we dug in there and came up with a list of core values. So our core values are tribal, Kaizen, which is a Japanese term. It's a pursuit of perfection. Uh, sure. Toyota runs on Kaizen. Uh, yeah. Extreme ownership, which comes from Jocko. Love that book. And we yep. love that mindset. Positive impact and relentless. Relentless is a tricky one because you can be relentless to a fault. And so we put a spin of positive impact. So we're relentless as long as it's for positive in nature. And so once we had those core values in there, then our core focus was a little easier. And so our purpose to level up lenders exist is to create positive impact through homeownership. And so our niche that we created within that is with us, it's never a no, it's always a how, because every file is a family. And so I I live in a really rural part of America. The average household income here is well, well, well below the national average. Homeownership rates are way below the national average. And so we decided to put a focus on rural America. So we made our target market, you know, rural American towns that fall within USDA eligible areas. Sweet. The reason why is one of our core values is positive impact. And if you can make a first-time homebuyer that isn't just a first-time homebuyer, but a first-generation homebuyer, a homeowner, the amount of positive impact that can happen to that entire family tree down the line is so much greater than, you know, middle America and upper income where they just, they've always owned property. That's what they do. And so based upon having the core value of positive impact, it creates a constraint, which I believe constraints in business are actually helpful because they force you to focus and they force you to get more creative. So that positive impact created that constraint where we chose to focus on rural America, USDA, right? And so from there, I still had this issue of like, who do we market to? Are we going to run ad campaigns on Facebook across rural America? Because that sounds expensive. Or like, what are we going to do, right? And so this is probably two years into the business. We went to a coaching conference through Mortgage Marketing Animals. They do these things called boot camps. You know, anybody can go to, it's just like a three-day thing and they teach you their process and all the things. But Carl White runs those. And literally in the first 10 minutes of the thing, Carl White says, the process that you guys will be using is called the daily success plan. That's their process, right? And I'm like, right, oh, this right, is right. interesting. Yeah. So I need a process. And this guy says it's his daily success plan. So maybe we'll do that. And then he's like, and the list that you will market to is qualified realtors. A qualified realtor is a realtor that does eight buy side deals in a year. So I'm like, well, this is perfect. Now I have a list. So I left there. Now, you know, I got my list, which now we market qualified realtors that live within USDA eligible areas in rural America. So I get that list. I've got a company that goes out and gets that data for me. And then the process, the daily success plan that they teach, it really is common sense stuff. It's just a reliable process. On Mondays, you make your cold calls to your realtors. 
we don't call them cold calls because I think that sounds negative. So we call them networking calls on our team. So that's what we do on Mondays. And that's to generate business. On Tuesdays, you call your pipeline. So every deal that you have in process, you just, you know, you call the borrower, the co-borrower, the buyer's agent, the seller's agent, title company, you give them an update. Wednesdays, you call your past database. You know, you close the loan with them. You call them once a quarter and check in. And on Thursdays, you call your pre-approved and looking, everybody that's shopping, right? So this is straightforward. But the problem is how do you sell that process to your list? So remember, I've got my traction goggles on the whole time. And that's, sure, that's where I'm at. Traction says I got to get my list and then I got to brand my process and I got to sell it to my list. And what do realtors care about how we go about running our day, right? And so what we ended up doing is I branded the daily success plan as the loop. L-U-P, it's just the level up process, but LUP sounds weird. So I put two dots over the U and we call it the loop because it looks nice. cooler. Yeah, and then I flipped everything about the daily success plan to the perspective of the realtor. So first thing I never do is talk about Mondays because there is no benefit to a realtor for me to tell them that on Mondays, I'm making networking calls to grow my business with more realtors. Right. So that's out of there first off. So from there, Tuesday, it's called Just Ask. We're calling our pipeline. So what's the benefit to the realtor that we're going to call them on Tuesday? And so I'll ask the realtors and I'll start trying to you know do some discovery around pain and try to find out how much time are they wasting if they've got three or four deals going with three or four different lenders and they're trying to track down those lenders to get updates and half the time they can't get a hold of them. They don't know where they're at on their deals. They have no idea if they're closing on time because lenders get busy and sometimes they're hard to get on the phone and there's not that many lenders that actually make those phone calls. So once I establish that they're wasting a lot of time doing that, then I'll tell them, hey, here's the good news. Just refer everything to me. And we'll call you every Tuesday and give you an update. And so you can take that off your plate completely. You don't have to waste your time anymore doing that. Nice. And so right. that's a pretty easy sales pitch to them. On Wednesdays is past database. If you find me a realtor that tells you that they call their past database every quarter, I want to meet them because none of them do. That's not a thing. They never do that. And so I tell the realtors, look, here's the thing. Every deal that we close for you, we will call those people four times a year on your behalf to find out if they've had a change of life event. Maybe they had another kid and they need another bedroom. Maybe they got a job change and they're going to list their house and move. Maybe they're having a divorce and they're going to list the house and both of them are going to go their separate ways. Any change of life event that leads to a listing, I'm going to notify you, hey, you need to call Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We closed their deal two years ago. They just had another kid. They need a third bedroom. They're going to list their house in two months. You should call them, right? And so now the past database calls benefit the realtors and they're not doing it. I guarantee you they're not doing it. And it's very easy to give some statistics to prove to them that they should be. Thursday pre-approved and looking calls. I'm calling those people because there's nine other lenders that know that I pulled their credit for a mortgage right. loan that are also calling those people. So Probably I'm calling to say, yeah, hey, I'm cool. Don't leave me, right? But when I right. talk to a realtor, the reason why I'm calling them from a perspective of a realtor is that, hey, Mr. Realtor, we're going to call the entire shoppers that we have and we're going to try and do three things. We're going to check for interest rate exposure. We're going to make sure that we haven't pre-approved them for too much house because rates have gone up and they can't afford it anymore. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to do the realtor uplift. We're going to remind them of how lucky they are to be working with you. And we're also going to confirm that they're happy with the level of service that they're receiving. A lot of times people won't complain about the realtor. They'll just switch. So right. we call them up and we ask them, how's things going with the realtor? And if we find out there's a problem, then the next phone call I make is to the realtor to say, hey, you need to call them up and solidify that relationship 
a phrase that's really helpful that I tell realtors is it's my job to protect your commission. And this is how I do that. So the third thing that we do is future casting, which this is a mortgage marketing animals thing, but you just have, people are shopping a lot longer in this market. So you have to re-energize them and remind them why they're shopping. You know, isn't it going to be amazing when you finally get that pool and you guys are hanging out the next summer in the backyard and your kids' friends are coming over and you guys are the cool parents. Like that's going to be great, right? You're going to get there. I promise. And that's so one. Exactly. So we are doing those things anyway, because we don't want to right. lose deals. Every deal matters in this market. But when you're going to sell your process, you have to sell the benefit to the realtor. So I just flipped it, right? And so what's happening now is when we call the realtors for our networking calls, our cold calls, you know, we're talking to them about a process that nobody else has. Nobody has the loop. Nobody goes to the degree of what we do. And we don't ask for their business anymore. We build a case that what ends up happening is realtors say, this is amazing. What does it cost? How much does it cost to do business with you? It's like, we have a product now, right? That they're willing to pay for. Obviously we don't right. charge them. I don't want to get banned. But just the yeah, fact well, that they even RESPA ask. issues there? Come that's on, right. Are you trying to get us in trouble? They're asking to pay money to do business with us. Like That's awesome. It's just a different sell, right? So we started doing that. And, and business is like, obviously it's slow. Everybody knows that it's slowing down. Rates are right. high. But I mean, our purchase volume this year is up 22%. We're down refis, obviously. There aren't a right. ton of refis. So we did last year, we closed 469 units. We're going to be down just a hair. We'll probably land about 460. And I think we closed six refis. So we, we probably did 150 last year. And sure. so business is trending up. Uh, and it's the process that we're selling. But then it's also just traction in general is just really helpful. You know, like it's just helped our business out a lot, putting all those systems in place. So I love that you talked about the concept of putting a name behind it or branding it. In marketing, we call that a unique mechanism, right? Literally, like, it's what makes it stand out. Even if it's the same thing everybody else does, if you name it something, that's when people pay attention. <laughs> like you said, I mean, whatever the freedom formula, how many of the loan officers are in the mortgage marketing animals probably doing the same or similar, Yeah. right? But it's not the loop. It doesn't sound the same way. They haven't set the unique value proposition the way you have. And it's interesting because I talked to one of our clients the other day and he was like, well, you know, he's like, when I go to the agents, I don't know what to say. I'm like, dude, you have so much value to give. Have you ever sat down and like actually thought of like, what you can bring, like you used to work for a call center, you have direct to consumer, you know how to convert online leads, teach them how to freaking convert online leads, you know how to generate leads, teach them how to generate leads. Like how many things can you teach these people? Stop pretending like they're better than you and just go and freaking have a conversation and outline what brings value to them, right? Not that's that you close loans on time and that you do all the things that every other loan officer is saying they do. Like that's just the requisite of being a good loan officer. Right? right. Like you need to show up in a different way. That's actually going to bring value. It doesn't have to be leads. It doesn't have to be that. Like, like you said, like you're basically buying them time back. That's exactly. We do a class. So I go in and then the first piece, the triad of awesomeness. So like, you know, what makes you the most money? What do you love doing? And what are you the best at doing? And you want to be at the intersection of those three things, Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where you should live your life. If your career can be at the intersection of those three things, then you will be your best person. And sure. so for a buyer's agent, what I'll do in a class is I kind of get them to the conclusion that like, probably for a lot of you, your triad of awesomeness is actually out showing a house to someone that's qualified to buy the house. Sure. Odds are you love showing houses. You love being with people. That's why you're a realtor. Obviously. 
people buying the house is where you make your money, right? And hopefully that's where you're best at is when you're out there in the house, actually selling the house. So the next thing that I do is, you know, let's go through everything right now that's preventing you from being able to do that. And we'll just start listing stuff out. And, you know, I'm wasting time tracking down lenders to make sure my deal is going to close next week. And I'm trying to handle this condition that the title company's thrown up that the seller's agent's not doing anything on. And, you know, all this crap that they're doing that's wasting their time, or I'm showing houses to people that aren't qualified. Because I'm afraid that if I don't show them a house, they won't use me. They'll use a realtor that will, even though they're not qualified. I want to go out there and waste my time showing them a house just to be safe. And so I make this big list and then I just go down and I say, well, the loop handles this and I cross it off because we call you and give you a pipeline update every Tuesday. So you don't got to be calling lenders anymore. The loop handles this because we're actively communicating with the title companies. And if something needs fixed, we take care of it. The loop handles this because I would never send you a client to go show a house with until they're qualified. So you're not going to be showing houses with unqualified people. And I just go all the way down the list and I build a case that if you'll plug into our process, then you can live inside of your triad of awesomeness and you can do what you should be doing. And that lift alone will be tremendous to your business, right? I mean, you just have to make them see the benefit of it. And it's like what you're saying. You just sell the benefit of what you bring to somebody. I think the biggest issue is people have never sat down to actually think about like, what is it that you do better than anybody else? Or if you don't do anything better than anybody else, how can you create a process around doing something better than everybody else? Because again, like we get to the situation where people, everybody says the same thing. And it's like, especially nowadays, like every single loan officer that was a refi loan officers calling real estate agents and every person that wasn't a refi only is also calling real estate agents because they're down too. So it's like, if you can't stand out, especially in a market like we're in today, like you're going to get left behind, you're going to lose market share and you're going to see people like you who've been in the business for two and a half, whatever, three years that are freaking smashing deals. Like how many people have been in the business for 20 years and never did 150 units? Right. Uh, A huge number of people like that. I mean, that's the other piece and it comes back to vision. So like, what do you bring that's unique? And so everybody's different. Everybody has a different strategy for us just because of who we are and like, you know, my background and where I live, like we chose to focus on the underserved community. So the downside of that is my average loan amount is $171,000. Sure. I got to do a freaking ton of loans, you know, right, like it is right, what it right. is. The average credit score of an applicant that we bring in is about a 647. So I don't get slam dunk deals. That's not a thing. Every deal is hard. But what we've done is we took that and we molded it into a vision that it is very marketable in the areas that we're going in. And so one of the issues that I had is we're focused on positive impact. So when I set a goal, what am I setting a goal for? Units or volume, right? That's what we have in mortgage. You're either going to do so many units or you're going to do whatever, 100 million in volume. And neither of those metrics really do anything for me. And so the other way you can do it is you can set a goal for income. You know, hey, I want to get in the two comma club. I want to make a million bucks. That's awesome. That is boring to me too. Like income is cool. Having money is great. And it makes life a lot more fun. But that's not what really motivates me either. And so how do I set a goal for my team and for myself that revolves around positive impact? So what I come up with for me and for my team is I calculated every time that we close a loan, I used a whole bunch of averages. Like what's our average loan size? What's the average life of a loan that we close? Like average loan for us hangs around for about 80 months, a little less than seven years. Either they sell or refis or, you know, whatever. Then I looked at amortization schedules over that time period. And basically 
what I figured out is a loan pays down roughly 25 grand over 80 months based on our average loan size, right? And so from there, I looked at average appreciation rates. So houses, appreciation has been wild the last couple of years, but on average, a good conservative number is about 5% a year. Right. Maybe you could say seven, maybe you say 10. Yeah, you know, five to 5% eight. is pretty, yeah. So I know my average house is about 170 grand. And so I know that every time I close a loan in 80 months, they'll appreciate roughly 70 grand, 5% a year, boom, boom, boom. And so right. every time we close a loan, on average, not every time, but on average, that person will generate $90,000 of equity or wealth. Home equity is wealth, right? And so I said, okay, now I've got that number, 90,000. Well, I want to create a billion dollars worth of wealth for my clients. That sounds like something that gets me going. And so we're dealing in these really low income communities. A lot of our clients are first generation home buyers, not first time. I love it. And love so it. being able to have conversations with them about, you know, hey, imagine if you buy this house and live in it until you die. And then you give your kids and your grandkids an asset that's worth two or three or $400,000. Like how much farther ahead in life are they than you were when you started out with nothing, right? It doesn't sound like much to people that are used to owning homes, right. but to the folks that aren't, it's a big deal. And so I went back and did, you know, I looked at our whole pipeline, like Level Up Lenders came about in June of 2019 and we've closed 1,272 loans. So we've generated $122 million of wealth in the existence of us being around. And so that's cool, right? I mean, we're not necessarily any different from any other loan officer. I just branded it differently. I marketed what we do differently. And so now when I call a realtor in rural America, I can say, you know, I get on the census data's website and I look up the census data for the town that they're in. And I say, hey, did you know that the national average for home buyers is, you know, 70%. And in your town, it's only 40%. Like, I really think that we need to work on that. We should try and fix that. And the reason I'm calling you is because I need your help. I'm trying to create a billion dollars of wealth in rural America through homeownership. And I would like to make more people in your town homeowners. Would you have an interest in helping me do that? And then I get into the loop and I talk about, you know, our process is different and this is what we do. And But it's that why behind it, man. People, yeah. people hear that why and they're like, that's interesting to me. That's yeah. really cool. Then my employees rally behind it too. Like, now, every month we update our wealth generation. You know, hey, we, That's awesome. we did another 2 million of wealth this month or 5 million of wealth this month. And like every file's a family, right? And, you know, never a no, always a how. The reason why is because we need every one of those loans because we're trying to get to a billion. And so now my staff wants to do the extra work. They want to run the credit simulator to turn the 500 to a 600. You know, they want to help these people because we have this big goal that everybody rallies around. And so when a loan officer is trying to market themselves and talk to realtors or go direct to consumer online, like you need to have a compelling thing that sets you apart. What are you trying to do? Yeah. You know, what, what's your why? And I hear a lot of people and nothing wrong with it, but they'll say, well, my why is my kid. I'm like, good for you. That's a really nice thing to do, but that doesn't get me moving. Like, I'm sure your kid's awesome, but I get behind your kid, you know? So you have to think bigger. That's my point, right? You have to think in terms of real impact for people. And so- Ever since we set that goal, man, everything has been wild. We don't recruit really anymore. People come to us. Like girl asked if she could have an interview with us, set through the interview, learned about our core values and what we're trying to build. And she's like, I have to work for you. Like, I'll do it for free. I want to be there. Like that kind of stuff is crazy to have happen. Sure. You know? Sure. 
Yeah, no, so, absolutely. It's funny because like a lot of these things are concepts that are almost like widely known from a marketing perspective, but you've taken it like, because it is, I mean, this is all really just a good form of marketing and mm-hmm. ultimately everything is kind of marketing, right? And, you know, sales and marketing are super valuable tools, but like, you know, you've taken what everybody else is doing, right? I mean, we're basically selling debt at the end of the day, but like turn right. it into something that is aspirational and people can rally behind regardless of it. And I think it does matter because I do think that the intent behind it is pure as well, right? Because I do think people could maybe create, you know, something like that with they're doing it and they're saying it, but like when the intent is also pure behind it, I think that goes a long way as well, right? You can just tell you're passionate about it, regardless of the fact that like, you know, it may technically be, Hey, we're selling debt, but like you're actually doing it because you do truly want to help these people. And I see it so many times in this industry where loan officers, they basically throw away anybody who's not ready to buy today. That's not an A paper. That's not like this specific type of people. And like, as a marketer that markets to a lot of people online, like a lot of people that come in, like these are people that are looking for a guide and they get discarded, like as if they're not worth anything. Right. Like, and you know, and so I love the fact that you've kind of taken that and you say, you know what? Yeah. These people aren't going to be as easy to work with. Yeah. They're going to be lower credit scores. Yeah. They're going to, you know, have lower income. But I mean, the other thing to look at is I think the average homeowner is what 40 times wealthier than a renter. It's 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 an astronomical difference. Yeah. 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 And I think that goes a long way in terms of the way you look at it. It's like, yeah, you're going to make a good income doing this, but you're also going to serve people along the way. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a good income. I think we all get into business to make a good income, right? Like, you know, you don't do something that's this hard. without wanting to yeah, make good money. Absolutely. That being said, like you can have a purpose for it. And I want to touch a little bit on a couple of things that you talked about at the beginning with regards to like, you know, you worked for six months and didn't make anything, right? Like that concept, two things that I want to talk about. One is, I don't know how familiar you are with like leading and lagging indicators, right? Like leading indicators are the actions, right? The actions that you can take mm-hmm. that you can control and lagging yeah. indicators are the results, right? And so, so many times people focus on the lagging indicators, which is like, I right. want those results to happen. Closings. I want closings. Closings. But those are the things you can't really control, right? You can't control if someone makes a decision to buy today. All you can control is how many people did I reach out to? How many conversations did I have? How many people did I cold call? Like, And you talked about this, man, you freaking talk to a hundred people a week. Most people aren't even doing that in a year. Right. Yeah. At the time we knew nothing other than being in front of realtors is better than not. Right. And like I said, I understand marketing and I actually can do it. I can run a Facebook ad. I just hate it, man. I just... I hate the whole thing. I don't want anything to do with it. And at that time, we didn't have <laughs> enough money to hire somebody. Sure. You know, I'm a who not how guy. And I, I, love I, need, that, yeah. I need a who, but I, I couldn't afford a who, but I could right. afford, you know, the car was 45 miles a gallon and 20 bucks. I can drive 300 miles and I can afford sure. that. And so that's the route that we went. And so what has happened in our business, though, is lead measures, lag measures. There's a book called Four Disc that talks a ton about lead measures and lag measures. And so for a long time, our lead measure was an application, which for us, we don't track necessarily, or we weren't tracking leads. Like an application means they come into the system, socials in there, we pull credit the whole bit, right? A real full paper app. And so that was our lead measure. And I could tell you, you know, when we started off, we were closing about 26% app to close. We got better and better. Right now we run about 33 to 34% app to close. There's actually a diminishing return if you try to improve that ratio. You can get it up to 40, but the amount of work that goes into that is not worth doing. So a good, healthy metric is one in three. And so what I learned, though, over the last year was there's more up funnel than that. There's realtor talk tos, there's realtor meetings, there's a bunch of Mm -hmm. other stuff. The problem up the funnel is that it relies on self-reporting versus 
reliable data that I can pull out of Encompass. Right, right. And I hate self-reporting in general. I'm not a fan of it. But we've adopted it. I've got trackers now that my guys use. And we know now that 25 realtor networking calls will lead to one held meeting. And three held meetings will lead to one new referral partner that'll generate anywhere from four to eight deals a year. So now, because we've tracked all the lead and lag measures, now it's just a math problem. Right. And so it's very easy to grow. It's good, predictable growth for us. As long as we're calling qualified realtors in our market and selling the process, you know, Steve Kyles is a guy who says same way every time. As long as you do it the same way every time, it becomes very predictable based on lead measures, lag measures. And so then now all of a sudden scaling becomes very easy to do because I know the metrics. If you're not performing to the metrics, it's just a coaching problem. And that's on me. Stream ownership says that's my fault, not your fault. I'll fix it. I'll make sure that you're better at the scripts. I'll make sure that the process delivers. If you get somebody in, you know, I'm running the back office too. Our process has to crush it. You have to close on time. That's not a selling point. You don't don't go out and sell and, oh my gosh, we close on time. We're amazing. Like you have to do that. So that's my job for my guys now, you know, because I've got six loan officers on our team. So I got to keep track of all that stuff too now. But yes, lead measures, lag measures mean everything in this industry. You you can't wake up today and say, I'm going to close the loan today. That's not a thing. No. Are you familiar with the book Fanatical Prospecting? Mm-hmm. I've actually so heard you talk-, talk about it before. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. And he talks about Frank's it. podcast. I love it, man. It's one of my favorite books because like he just talks about the 30 day rule, the concept of like the actions you take over the next 30 days are going to really pay off over the next 90 to 120 days. Right. So like, that's why you see so many loan officers do that, like the up and downs of business, right? Like you see, Hey, they're doing all the prospecting all of a sudden, you know, three, four months later, they're closing deals. And guess what? They stop prospecting, right? So there's like that up and yep. down cycle of like, hey, like you need to understand that as a salesperson, because that's what you know loan officers are, is like you need to be spending a good majority of your day doing revenue generating activities, prospecting, it, things like it that. It's harder though. It does. It's easy to cold call on 100 people a week when you don't have any deals. Sure. But then when you start getting deals, I think it's easier to build a successful career in this industry if you align with a team as opposed right. to going alone. Because if you go it alone, you have to know exactly when it's time to hire or else you'll get bogged down. And then, like you said, you'll have 30 days where you didn't cold call any realtors. You know, you didn't run any ads or you didn't make any phone calls. And then it just drives back up. And so you you get in this crazy cycle. And so we track our calls and our meetups over a one-week period, a four-week period, and a 13-week period. And so I have all that data logged. And so we keep track of it. And if somebody starts dipping down, there is a direct link to production dipping down. And so then it becomes a question of, you know, what are you doing with your time? Because our loan officers don't have to get into Encompass anymore because my back end is strong enough that they don't work their own files. I have mortgage experts on the back end that know more about mortgage guidelines than you and I will ever know in a million years. Right. So I've freed up the schedule of my guys. My guys better be making their calls because that's all they have to do. And so you track that stuff. And when it dips down, sure enough, 30, 60, 90 days later, there goes production. So. Yeah, that comes down to process at the end of the day, right? I mean, that's basically what the whole conversation has been is like creating process. I mean, you use, mm-hmm. you know, the EOS system, which is traction, yep. but there's other ways that you can do it. I mean, all it comes down to is creating processes. And like you said, I mean, when it comes to like, it, it astounds me how many people have never listened to one of their own sales calls, right? It astounds me how many people like don't track any of those metrics. It's like, how do you expect to get better when you're not tracking some of those things? And so like, yeah. 
some of the metrics that we track on our side is like, we're tracking the numbers because that's great. Like that's quantitative tracking, but sure. then there's also qualitative data, right? And that's going to be more of like, okay, how are these people feeling? How's their energy looking like? And so that's where you can get a better understanding of like sales is a transference of energy and things like that, right? So if like someone is not taking care of themselves, they're not eating right, they're not exercising, you know, yeah. they're showing up, they don't have high energy, you're going to see a dip in production as well. And it may not be that they're not making their numbers. It could be that they're just not in the right space, yeah, you know, energy wise, right? So you ever heard of a guy named Trevor Mock? Uh-uh. He owns carrot.com. They do marketing oh, yeah. on the real estate side. I've heard of carrot.com. Yeah, he's got a podcast and he does this thing, which you can Google it through carrot. It's called the energy audit. Okay. And it's a Google sheet that he created where when that happens, like there are periods where I feel down. Sure. You know, like, and it happens to everybody, like, even though we're having success and you, know, you just feel down. So he's got this thing, you go do the energy audit and it looks back at like past activities that you've taken over the last 30 to 60 days to try and target like what's causing that dip in your energy levels. And mm -hmm. it's wild how just you let one habit slip. Yep. You know, I run every morning and I don't do that for a week. And all of a sudden, like something else slips. And then yep. like, it just so quickly you can fall off. It takes a constant commitment for sure. And then you get into teams like you're talking about and you got to start yeah. keeping track of other people as well. But the qualitative data, like, so we do the end of day reporting and just like, Hey, how did that consultation go? And you can just tell based off of the way they write their end of day reports, because the thing with quantitative data, like numbers is like, you need enough numbers to have statistical significant data. Cause you may go right. in through a slump in a week and it might not mean anything. It just might mean that the people weren't going to buy regardless. But when you look at it from the qualitative standpoint, you're seeing some of that data. But I do think so you're that, having yeah, you're to right. do like a summary of each meeting that they had, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just an end of day report of like, hey, how did that call go? What was the problem? You know, what was their yeah. pain point? Why did they buy? Why didn't they buy? Things like that. And so it just gives you that better understanding so you can make better decisions and coach, you know. Yeah, and I'm not a big micromanager. I hate. Oh, yeah. I've been anti all of that stuff for the longest time until I started building my team and I realized like some people actually need that. It's also a good way to coach. And so as long as you're kind of, communicated in a way that it's like, Hey, this yeah. is like, this is valuable for you. This is going to help you, you know, close at a higher percentage. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. And things like that. So yeah. I do think that, you, that's you're right. Is, you're doing it for them. Like I'm not doing it. Cause I want to know what you're doing all day long. It's yeah. This stuff matters. No, I hadn't thought of doing that. I think we'll implement though. That's a great idea. Can't say that was my idea. I got it from a mentor of mine that has grown his business ridiculously every, over the last couple of years. So every idea, um, man, I don't have a single original idea. I don't think. Right. I don't think so either. But all it is, is you hear the good ideas and you observe the good ideas, but did you take action on the good idea? That's the difference. So for, oh, so for sure, for sure, for sure. So for sure. And that's the biggest issue. And one of my favorite sayings is if more information were the key, then we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. Right. That's right. Derek Sivers said that quote, and it just always makes me kind of laugh because it's true. Like so many people think they need more information. They think they need this, including myself. Like I bought, I don't know how many coaching programs and courses and things I bought that one I never went through. And even if I did, I never implemented. And it's like, dude, I know everything I need to know. I just got to implement. Like at the end of the day, that's all that has to happen. Yeah. I have an MBA. I literally have a master's of business and I've failed three businesses miserably and learned more from traction. I don't know if I learned more, but I implemented more from a book than my entire MBA did for anything. So I think it's right time, right information and the action work. So I'm not hundred percent sure, but for my money, I probably should have just bought Traction for 12 bucks on Amazon and skipped the NBA. 
Probably should have. And it's funny because I actually have traction. I've started it. It's such a hard read, right? Because I guess there's the get a grip, which is the kind of more story-based version of traction. You're inspiring me to go back and read that because I know I got through like the first couple of chapters. It's almost like a textbook. It's like really implementable stuff, but it's not something you just sit down. You can just take a chapter because they've got to divide it out. And if you're struggling with a certain part of your business, like let's say your people, I mean, you can just focus on that one chapter. And so I mean, for our people, like we have our core values, they have a tool in there called the people analyzer tool, mm-hmm. which is the most basic thing in the whole world. Literally, you take your core values and then you bring your employee in for your monthly meeting and you ask how things are going. And then you give them a one through three rating on the core value. You know, I don't feel like you're owning your mistakes and not living up to extreme ownership. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to rate you at a one and I need you to do better. And it's important to us. And, you know, if you get three strikes, if you don't improve in three months, then we let them go. Wow. But what it actually does is it self-selects. And so we've never had to fire anybody. Everybody's quit because traction crystallizes who the level up lenders are. And if they are not that, then me writing on a report that they're a one out of three on extreme ownership two months in a row, they'll say, I'm out. He's right. I'm not. I'm not going to start owning everything that way. Right, it's not me. Right. And they just leave. And then, you know, the next person comes along and you eventually level up and you get a better person in the seat. Man, so. I love it because, yeah, you know, growing a team has probably been the hardest thing of running a business. It's really just been managing a team. So, man, like that's incredible. And it's hard because some of those things are like hard to have those conversations. Right. And one of the things I think this year I've learned is having those hard conversations is one of the most important things you can do in yeah. business and anything, right? It's like, you know, because the more you avoid things, the bigger the problems become. Unfortunately, yep. avoiding and never solves anything. The hardest thing is getting rid of the wrong person. And the traction book has been weirdly like prophetic for us. And it mm-hmm. says in the book, it literally says, when you adopt the vision and you roll out your core values, you will lose 20 to 30% of your team within like three months. And at that time, we had 10 people on our team. We rolled out our core values. Two weeks later, two people quit. We lost 20% of our team like that. But what ended up happening was they didn't align with everyone else. And them leaving, like the relief on our support staff that, you know, they're not there anymore. These were loan officers, they're great people. They just didn't do it the way that we did it. And like there was so much relief from the team, and everyone was so much happier when that happened. And you hate to see them go, but at the same time, like, this is who we are. It's crystal clear. I'm pretty hardcore about a lot of these things. I mean, I'm pretty relentless. I'm up at 4.30 every morning doing the things. And sure, I listen to more podcasts than I care to admit. And I read more books than I should. And I think about my business like I dream about it. But that's, I've never done that's that. who I am, you know? Just and so, yeah. It's I've, crazy. I've, never, I've never dreamed about my business ever. I'm only yeah. every single night, right? That's right. Yeah. Not always good dreams, but that's no, that's no, it's not. It. It's not. And it's funny yeah. because sometimes I think about like, why, like, why am I doing something that's so stressful? And I'm like, I could never go back to corporate life of like, yeah. you know, working for the man and like, we you don't know, put it in my eight hour days and then going home and not having to worry about anything. It just makes no. me think I'm, yeah. So I don't want to do that. I love what I do and I love what we're building. It's a blast to do. So I love it, man. I love it. So let's kind of wrap things up. I mean, I could talk about this for, you know, an hour, but you know, I know probably people listening are like, all right, like, you know, when are we going to wrap this up? Right. I'd like to leave it with some tactics. I know we've kind of talked a little bit about, but like, if you were to like start over again, like what would you do today to go get business at this point? Oh, there's a couple of things. If I was brand new, I think the most important thing 
if you can get access to what I call a crusher, like somebody in the industry that crushes it, if you can yes. get access to them and just sit in their office, can I just sit in your office and just listen to you for a couple of weeks or a month and just absorb like what you will learn by how they go about running their business? A lot of times those people have a hard time actually stating what they do that makes them so successful. Yep. But if you're observant and you pay attention, you can start picking up on habits that they do. And there's a lady in my office that she's the number one loan officer in the state of Missouri. She does about 700 units a year. And I will just watch her and emulate her and learn from her. And I don't even ask her. She doesn't even know necessarily what she does. And so getting around somebody like that can make a huge difference. But then it's also just doing the work. Building a successful business sounds super cool. And Hollywood has done a good job of making entrepreneurship seem real sexy and like a right. hot thing to do. In reality, it's the least sexy, most unfun, like grind of a thing that you'll ever do. And but it's also fun. It, it's it unfun, be, but and fun. Yeah, it's rewarding. But there were six months, sure. man. Every single day I woke up, I got in my car, I drove 100 miles, I walked in, I got asked to leave. I walked into the next place. I got asked to leave. I walked into the next place. And I did that for six months straight. And I closed two loans. And those two loans weren't even from that. There were two of my friends that felt sorry for me. (laughs) So like, it is a grind, but you just have to have the courage and the fortitude to keep going. It's funny. We just had a guy on the podcast as well. And he talked about that too. He's like, discipline is like the first level. Like if you want to actually run a business and like be an entrepreneur, like you have to have so much passion because you pretty much have to be willing to bleed for the business. Like I got about a hundred grand into debt and probably two and a half years before I finally got my business to start going. So you did it a lot quicker than I did, man. It took me, you know, two and a half years. I thought I had it all figured out. It was about a year and a half in. I thought I had it figured out. My business started to grow. And then in like six weeks, I lost $80,000 a month in revenue, just like right out the gate, boom, just gone. Had a couple big clients that were paying me a lot of money and just disappeared. And of course, the next thing I did was I hired a mindset coach. So I just knew that the most important thing was like, how can I get my mind right and align myself with what needs to happen in order to grow? And so from then, it's just been, you know, great growth. Obviously, there's there's down years and there's up years, but you have to be willing to go where most people aren't willing to go and to lose money and to lose friends and to lose sleep and to lose a lot of things in order to make things work. Yeah. The thing about it is you can't fail if you don't stop. Right. Which is that's what makes us crazy is that like, you know, that we fail and 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 fail. And it's like, ah, well, you know what? Let's just keep doing it. Some days I'm like, maybe I should quit. And then the next day I'm like, nah, I'm not quitting. That doesn't sound good. So, um, you know, I appreciate that, man. This is a great episode. I just really feel like, you were able to relay a lot of great information for everybody who's listening. I mean, I think a couple of the biggest takeaways for me was obviously traction, but a lot of it came down to like sitting down and actually creating like, what is it that you bring value for? Like, I think traction helped you define that in a good way, but I think anybody can sit down and do that. I mean, without having to have traction, it's just like, what is it that you can do that's better than anybody else? And how do you frame it in a way that serves? I mean, again, what's in it for me? You have to understand that the conversations you're having with real estate agents, you have to craft your pitch in a way that serves them versus what serves you, which is what I love about what you talked about. I was like, all those actions that you're taking really serve you. You were able to flip that idea. So that's like, Hey, you know what? We're actually serving you, even though obviously on the other side, it's also serving you as well. So that was awesome to me. Obviously traction. I'm going to be picking that book up or actually I have it. So I'm going to be reading that book, you know, cover to cover. Cause I do think that man, after everything you've talked about it, it makes me think that there's a lot of things that can be implemented in that book that are just be very valuable. So I love that, man. If anybody wants to connect with you, uh, where's like a good place that they can find you? 
mostly on Facebook. I don't love Facebook, but it's a good community. There's enough folks sure. on there. I'm easy to find, you know, if you just, you know, Skylar with an A S K Y L A R Wallace and mortgage, I'm there. And cool. You know, yeah, we can hang out. My DMs are available. People tend to have questions about things a lot. I'm sure you get a lot of messages and things. And yeah, I try my best to answer and help as you know, within reason the schedule yeah, yeah. allows for. But yeah, I think there's some value to that, man. I remember when I was first, like not first getting started, but I remember like earlier, like a couple of years back, I'd get a lot of questions, I'd answer a lot of things and I just help people out. And I never like wanting to get something out of it, but it always pays off in relationships and connections and things like that. And then also I remember when I started, I felt like I couldn't do that. And I felt like when I did reach out, like, you know, people wouldn't really help. And so I was like, I want to be the guy that just helps people just cause, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I don't want to plug all my own stuff, but I do have a group that I started. It's open. It's awesome. free. It's called Level Up Your Business. It's on Facebook. The background has a, you know, there's a whole bunch of books, but traction is there. And awesome. it's not just for mortgage lenders. It's for all business owners. And I've started doing once a month. My first one is coming up, I think the 27th of this nice. month. I'm doing a one hour Facebook live where this component will be on vision. And so the first 30 minutes of the call, I'm just going to go through vision of what I've gone through. And then the second half hour will be live Q&A. So just answering questions. So if people awesome. are into that kind of thing and want to learn more about that, that's available. It's free. I'll never charge. Yeah, people that's are welcome awesome. to jump on there. So cool. Cool. So we'll have that all linked here in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, or you could probably just search it on Facebook. So that's exciting. And thank you so much, Skylar, for being here. It's been awesome. Uh, if you are listening and you are looking for help to flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans on Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.